0: Hello and welcome to cage fighting. Qcast five coming at ya, answering the questions you've always wanted answering. Andy Gillard here. Hope you're keeping well.
1: Matt Guy here on a beautiful British summer's evening or summer's
2: awesome daytime when
1: you're listening to this. Could be.
0: So last <laughs> week <laughs> we had the old uh, the double header of. Uh, City of Angels and Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Like I have actually listened back to the podcast and I found listening to the podcast a lot more fun than actually watching both of those films. Stu, what did you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I listened I listened to it back walking along the beach and I was giggling to myself even though I obviously knew what was coming next.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the the stuff talking about Nicholas Cage's terrible Italian accent and the likes just it brought back memories of a terrible film, but an enjoyable chat.
1: Absolutely. Did you enjoy it, man? And I think that's what. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. To be fair, and I think what, what, all, when I go back and watch that film again in, I don't know, like five years, ten years, for pure morbid curiosity, I'll probably find it more entertaining, knowing how we kind of poked fun at it.
0: Yeah, obviously that is available in the archives. Please give it a listen. Uh, so, film news this week milan has been announced as going straight to video on demand on disney plus apparently bill and ted 3 is going to be a cinema and vod release on the same day Stu, is this the beginning of the end for cinemas
2: i think the beginning of the end of cinema started about three years ago (laughs) um it's just especially with we're gonna time this now for people listening in the future um but if they're gonna, they are gonna make people sit there for two, two and a half hours with a mask on, watching a film inside. I, who in their right mind is gonna do that? Really, um, it's bad enough wearing a mask in shops and stuff like that. But I think that doing that is just another. Especially when you you don't have to if you're eating food, so you can just eat popcorn for two and a half hours, and they can't say a single thing to you. But again, you're bending bending rules to go and do something that's supposed to be fun. So it don't only make much sense to me when you can sit in a pub all day long and not have that problem. I presume the budget on Mulan's pretty high as well, looking at the trailer. Even though it's not one of the Disney films I know much about, um, other than Mulan Prince Studio that me and Mark had on PC. Um, <laughs> it's You move something like that, then what's next? And we all know that tenant's going to be moved again. Because <laughs> if, if, be they
0: can,
2: if they can't get the shit together and open things properly, then... I don't really see the point, to be fair.
0: Yeah. I I, I get we we need to wear masks and make sure that we're protected and safe and what have you. But could they have just pushed back cinema opening a few more months? I mean, obviously, we're not paid to make those uh, decisions. Um, The budget, just for your awareness, $200 million for a straight to streaming service film. A lot of money. So, Matt, how would you get people to start going back to cinemas? Obviously, once we're we're through the pandemic and we're back to some sense of normality, what can cinemas do to try and get more people through the doors?
1: I think for someone that isn't um, up until now, the the local cinema for me in Wolverhampton has been pretty cut and dry. It's a cinema only. It's not a lot of facilities. They've had a, a big revamp um city world cinema to you know 4dx and all the rest of it um but to make the process of getting drinks getting food that much easier in a la a weatherspoons app kind of way where things become a lot more self-service do you know what i mean like i think if you make if you if you can make the experience much more of a Almost like a date like scenario, like you you have drinks brought to you, like a light like if every cinema was licensed would be fantastic. Um I can't like stress enough how much I love the everyman cinema in, in Birmingham. Um, which is, you know, it's fully licensed, you can have pizzas and food and it become it just makes it more of an experience. And I think films alone now are just not enough. And I know you hate it, and I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. sorry, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, true. man. Um but like you know, film films aren't enough now for people. We live in such a society where things are that disposable that things need to be experiences. And I think that's how cinema is gonna to have to tie itself in as an as an experience more than what you're seeing on screen to get to get the filthy masses in.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's no secret I don't want to be smelling some fucker eating a Chinese meal halfway through a film. But I do understand that people do want that experience. And cinema, for me, it sort of falls in between two camps. It doesn't it doesn't really cater for me who wants silence and just the experience of watching a film. And it doesn't cater for the people who want the social side of it either. Yeah, yeah. It, sort, it tries to serve both masters and fails miserably in both aspects.
1: Well... So, yeah, I mean, what I will say to that, especially on the license bar thing, and I don't know if this falls more into the category of the content that I was watching at the time, but Metallica did s m 2 on the big screen. Um, yeah. And a while back, they did Through the Never in, I think it was 2013, on the big screen, cinemas across the world, and they did a live presentation, but then showed the show, and it was like the the, the big four of thrash metal. We, especially for s 2, um because you had people drinking it ended up turning into almost a gig like atmosphere inside the cinema but i don't i haven't paid the money to watch them sing in the crowd i've paid the money to watch metallica do their show and that is a, a bit to me so i, I don't know if uh, you you're absolutely right you know i think you get to the point where because people are eating and because people are drinking and having a good time does it then become people are on dates they're not there to watch the film they're there to just enjoy themselves there's nothing wrong with that but then you take it away from the people that are there just to watch the you know watch the screen presentation yeah
2: i think they're they're really missing a trick with this that you could just have and know one screening per day of not the same film just rotate it every day have one screen and just put like they have audio description films yeah. and you just put just put it as social just put a little little addendum saying social next to it and then you can go in there and you can piss about and you can have a little matter between yourselves and i we'll have a good time and the film's background noise and it's a meeting place as long as people everyone knows what you're going for
1: well it's funny you should say that because i mean when you think about it if they were to have older films on that people have already seen they can still get money for people coming through the door but people aren't going to mind that they're not watching every word aren't they mm.
2: Exactly. That's what I mean. You could have a have a social screening once. So not even, maybe not every every day. eat just once a week. on one on a Saturday night, one on a Friday night, or something like that. Just something. It, it's i diff- I've never heard of that. Anyone do that before? So, the,
0: the nearest to that would be something like the Prince Charles Cinema in London when they do the they have the quote along versions of the room. So people go and they'll you know say oh hi Mark and everything along, or they'll do the um, the sing along Rocky Horror's. So you, are, you do sort of expect that bit of interaction, but it's it's quite a London-centric thing. I, I, I don't see yeah. many of those outside of the Prince Charles. That seems to be the best cinema who does try and uh, cater to the audience knowing you're going to get your film geeks and you're just going to get your, your people who want to have a laugh and a uh, piss around, as you say.
2: Yeah. You know what I, mean? I mean? As it is, well, as it was, if you wanted to concentrate on a film, the best way to go would be like... At, two three o'clock in the afternoon when there's no one else around and yeah. the you know full well yeah. the people there are there to watch a film and nothing else so yeah you've already got the audience who want to pay attention and you've got the audience who don't want to pay attention so it might be an idea it'll never happen but it, it's an idea
0: yeah but i, th- I think ultimately cinemas are going to need to try and do something to to get people back in uh, the other bit of uh, film news that we, I saw this week, apparently Michael Jackson was lobbying to play Charles Xavier uh, way back when the, uh, the X-Men series first started and um, Patrick Stewart got the role. So I've got a list of four different comic book characters here, as yet uncast, that will probably be coming to cinema screens in the near future. I would like you to give me a musician for the role, I'll give you the superhero and I'll tell you who I think should play that role, just so you get an idea. Uh, so the first superhero I've gone for is the Green Lantern. I've cheated a little bit here, <laughs> straight off the bat. I think Donald Glover would be a really good choice. I'm a big fan of Donald Glover. I know he's a musician and an actor, but he's the kind of actor where actually he can do... The straight face roles, but he can also do good comedic stuff. So I'd be quite happy to see him as Hal Jordan. I think he'd be a really good choice. He's a bit handsome, he's a bit suave, he's a bit cool, but he's also a bit dorky. So I think Donald Glover would be a perfect choice. Stu, who are you taking for Green Lantern? It doesn't need to be the Hal Jordan version. You can pick any Green Lantern you want. Sisko? (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> Said with such conviction as well. No, just
2: just because Cisco is a massive massive geek as well. Yeah. Um. We know when he's been in uh, Legends of Tomorrow and stuff like that, and he wasn't that bad. But he's got a bit of he's got a bit of a laugh about him. So, why not Cisco? Bring him
0: back. Cool. I, I can dig that. Matt, what about yourself?
1: Oh man, you. you... <laughs> You're going to str- I'm going to struggle here because unless it's someone that's heavy metal, I don't think anybody A in the audience is going to know who it is. <laughs> so, so I'm going to pass this to one. What's your, who's your next one?
0: Okay, so the next one is going to be my favourite character, the Joker. Um, I don't think he's been cast in the Batman film as yet. I would have gone with the thin white, thin white duke version of David Bowie. Obviously, Bowie's no longer with us. So the next best thing is going to be Jarvis Cocker.
1: <laughs> i um i want to go for current modern day mick jagger um who's gonna kind of do his performance and he's gonna run around and he's gonna do his flamboyancy the hands but with added, yeah but with yeah. an added psychopathic twist
0: yeah rocking the heroine chic look Stu That's who do you it. reckon
2: justin hawkins
0: <laughs> excellent choice bit of the darkness yeah love it love it uh Poison Ivy is the the next one. I've gone with a bit of a Batman theme. For me, there's only one. It's gotta be a bit of Swifty. Taylor yeah. Swift. <laughs> Poison Ivy.
1: Stu were you agreeing with me there? Yeah, Taylor Swift all day long. Yeah, dyer hair red, job done. Matt? I wanna go for and I'm gonna to have to use my time machine now, but my ultimate boyhood crush, I'm going for Debbie Harrow. Um, back in the day when she was a sex icon. Um just to... Because I'd see it and you probably wouldn't see me out of my bedroom for the next three days. <laughs> Shodin' <Shoulder> a <of> reason. Shodin' <laughs> selfish reasons. So there we go. See, I thought you were going to
0: go with Hayley Williams.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a good because chat. That, that, to that rocky
0: edge. She's a bit mm-hmm. cool as well. So I think she could pull off something like
1: that. I reckon you're probably right.
0: Yeah. And the last one. This is someone who has become renowned for one specific actor. But he's now going to need to be recast. The one and only Wolverine. Now, I'm going completely out of the box. I'm going for Robert Smith from The Cure. Just bang a a beard on him, that big, (laughs) massive hairdo. He's a little bit chubby as well, so I think it would just make for comedic value. I think Robert Smith's the man for for Wolverine. Stu, who are you going for?
2: If you're going for comedic and chubby, then it's got to be Jack Black, obviously.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, tenacious D-zone, Jack Black. Yeah, I like that.
1: Matt might be a bit niche, so apologies, especially if we've got anybody over the pond listening to this. But um, Simon Neil of Biffy Clyro would Ooh, be, oh, yeah. Might be, yeah, bit, yeah. Um, you know, he's quite a rugged um, Scotsman uh, who I think would give it a bit more of um, a bit more of an edge, not more than an edge, obviously than existing. But um, I think we'd go with that, and I'd like to see this, this Scottish Wolverine rip apart Glasgow and Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Yeah, they, they do need to set the X-Men in uh, in Scotland. doesn't that'd be
1: make for a much better film.
0: <laughs> so we've had some questions come in on the Twitters. Uh Matt, would you like to to let us know what we've had?
1: Yeah, we've had quite a few, so it's gonna be quite quick fire this. Um so the first one is from our friends at I Hope You Suffer podcast. I love that title as well. Um they want to know, someone ask Andy uh, who would win in an actual Cage match? Cage from Leaving Las Vegas, Cage from Left Behind or Cage from Never on Tuesdays? Right.
0: I've not seen uh, Left Behind yet, so I can only answer it on the two films that I, I do know. Also, going on that name, I hope you suffer. I do wonder if that's named after the AFI song. I wonder if it's anything to do with that.
1: We'll ask them, we'll ask them the question. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'd like to know the answer to that one. Uh, so, yeah, based on the two films, obviously, Leaving Las Vegas is the, the film about Nick Cage, where he's at his lowest ebb and he's just trying to destroy his life, basically, and, and drink himself to death. And the other one, The Never on Tuesday, he basically rocks up for a 30 second cameo with the weirdest looking uh, makeup and, and prosthetics one you've ever seen with the oddest laugh. Like, this guy has genuinely
1: killed people before. <laughs> so
0: I think it's going to be the Never on Tuesday cage myself.
1: Excellent. Thank you, To I hope you suffer for that. Um, for another one of our friends at Bad Dads Film, uh, at dads underscore film, want to know, um, I'm going to hit you with this one uh, again, Andy, and then I'm going to give a couple to Stu. Um, they want to know, What exactly were the mechanics of the donkey dragon sex that had to take place in Shrek for them to have dragon slash donkey baby hybrids? Now, these are the big questions in film that people want to know. So tell me the answer. I mean, it's a difficult one to get your head
0: around because surely the dragon vagina would swallow donkey whole. You'd
1: think so. (laughs) It's
0: like he would have to get inside there and release his seed in order to impregnate her. But I think it does lead on to an idea about odd couples in cinema. Because there have been a few over the years. There have been some decent films with odd couples. So have either of you two seen the film Her with Joaquin Phoenix? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. So obviously that's a film which is about a man falling in love with an AI. And for me, that's probably Scarlett Johansson's best performance, even though you don't see her in the whole film. So I think that's quite a good odd couple. I'd also say uh, Let Me In. Or is it, sorry, Let the Right One In, Let Me In with yeah, yeah. the American remake, wasn't it? Which is obviously about a vampire and a boy. That's quite mm, a, a good one. Song. And my favourite odd couple, Lars and the Real Girl. Have either you seen that one? No, I haven't seen that, no. Okay. So it's, um, oh, what's his name? Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Let me just double check that to make sure that's correct. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan Gosling plays Lars. Uh, he's a man who ha- he suffers with some kind of social anxiety and some mental health issues. Um, he becomes something of a hermit, and in order to reintroduce himself into his into society, he tells people that he's got a girlfriend. And then, when he finally introduces the people to his girlfriend, it's a sex doll. <laughs> it's it's like, <laughs> and it's such a moving story about how he relates to other people and how they accept. His girlfriend air quotes there as this sex doll and how he uses this to reintegrate himself into society it's funny but it's not played for
1: slapstick comedy yeah
0: Yeah. it's like it's proper comedy with a heart lovely Mm -hmm. lovely film
1: that's your wheelhouse isn't it as well that
0: proper indie sort of yeah yeah. yeah, very much up my uh, my alley um without giving spoilers away the girlfriend becomes ill um actually you know a bit strange and when she becomes ill and you realize that she might die there was a woman in the cinema who started to cry <laughs> because it was so affecting the way it was played so Lars and the real girl it's the oddest couple and probably one of the
1: sweetest films you'll ever see what
2: was what was that fish film that won the oscar
1: um oh christ uh it was all it was really bio-shock. Um, kind of not inspired oh what the hell is it called uh
0: I have to describe it to me i don't even know what you're on it's about. it's like
1: it, she finds it, I, I think she like works for the nazis or something and she finds this fish monster thing oh calls the color of water that's um, the one
0: yes the good film that was um guillermo del taro big fan of his work yeah that's a very fucking
1: weird couple <laughs> <laughs> very
0: sweet as well though lovely film
1: so we've got a couple uh, a couple of questions now that I think is in in Stu's wheelhouse now. So Simon Gold wants to know quite simply, Stallone or Schwarzenegger?
2: Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> um, Schwarzenegger for me, just because he's there's more scope for ridiculousness there, which I know is exactly what he's trying to say. So yeah,
1: okay. difficult one that one. I, I, one. Ask, I want to ask a quick side question. Um, jingle all the way. Why is it the best Christmas film of all time?
2: Because no one can find a Turbo Man doll. You still can't get one now.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. I'm glad you uh, gave me the answer (laughs) I wanted then. Um, So my next question, who was the better Superman, Todd DeWitt wants to know, uh, friend of the show, Brandon Ruth or Henry Cavill?
2: Hmm. Well, was it two weeks ago when I... uh... I got flack from Dean for slating in Man of Steel, um, which I didn't. I just said it, was, it wasn't was as good as the trailer. Um, Brandon Routh is more of a cuddly Superman, which is what the old films were. And he kind of played the same thing in the uh, crossover as well. So, Brendan Routh for me.
0: Okay. I, I'd probably edge towards Cavill myself. Um, of
1: course you would.
0: <laughs> yeah, just because I'm contrarian. I... I I'm a big fan of Brandon Routh anyway. I think he's fantastic. And would, I'd say if you get chance to watch the Scott Pilgrim table read that is on YouTube at the minute, do it. Brandon Routh is fucking brilliant on it. Um, but Cavill for me edges it just because I prefer the fact that he's playing his version of Superman, whereas Routh is playing Christopher Reeve's version. That's the only reason I'd go that way.
2: But, we, but Todd is missing the obvious answer that he's Dean Kane.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, Todd, I want to hear your reply to this. We might even get you on for a soundbite to give your rebuttal to this um, to this slander from Stu. Uh, <laughs> Andy, I want to know, or I should say, David Evans has a bloody good question. He wants to know: Will the Marvel franchise uh, last post Endgame? Marvel slowly built up a blossoming relationship between character and audience with the original lineup. Will the audience? have the patience and desire to do it again, given the key characters are not in future films? Great question.
0: That's a very good question. Um, Marvel sort of struck gold in turning some B-list characters into A-listers. Like, Iron Man was always just there. He was never really one of your main guys for Marvel Mm -hmm. Comics. And they also found the right actors to fit into these roles. As they now start to step away, Marvel, luckily, have now been able to get back the Fantastic Four and X-Men franchises, so that does give them the chance to replace some of these big hitters with some other characters who have already sort of established who people will know who can step in. As a comic book geek myself, I've been following these stories for decades, so I don't think it's going to be an issue for people to stick with it for the next you know uh was it four phases we got in the end for the next almost decade worth of films i think Mm -hmm. people will stick with it as long as the stories are good enough people will still turn up so i I think it'll still be there yeah
1: yeah excellent so final question from ash dolan uh stew which film despite critically and generally panned do you absolutely love for me, Armageddon is top-notch garbage, scientifically laughable, cheesy, and over the top. But damn it, if I'm not singing "Leaving on a Jet Plane" or laughing at Buscemi every damn time, so Stu, critically, uh, critically panned, but you still love it.
2: Just uh, behind the scenes, Andy's shaking his head, knowing exactly what I'm going to say. bro. I'm not going to say I'm not going to go Transformers. I was going to say Crystal Skull just to get a reaction, but. There's a lot of a lot of these things. There's too there's too many to list because I like rubbish. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I was not even just looking over there. There's there's just certain. Obviously, you've got to say the room because that's the that's the answer of, yeah. of all answers. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sharknado probably. <clears throat> Even though even though it's made to be rubbish and yeah, things like yeah. snakes snakes on a train and things like that, they're made <laughs> they're made to be like that. But yeah, I, I I enjoyed it more than I should have done for a B movie film.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that first one is a I say legitimately good. It's it's a legitimately fun film. I think when they try and become a bit more in on the joke in the sequels, it very much loses its luster for me, but yeah, shot Nado's cracking.
1: I want to ask a question, one of my own questions, just before we wrap up um, with the fan questions. And thank you very much for everybody that's sending them in. Please continue to send them in, because we do like to have these kind of um, on-the-cuff questions, quick-fire answers. Have I reviewed you seen Be Kind Rewind?
3: Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Jack
1: yeah. Jack Black. I really like this film, and I, I, I it's, it's pretty... I wouldn't say it's absolutely rated, but it's kind of got a middle 6 out of 10 rating, Rotten Tomatoes 65, Metacritic 52. And I just think it's massively underrated. I really enjoyed it. It's a really novel concept. Um, And I think it's really sweet. And I just wonder what your thoughts were. It's probably been a while since you've seen it, because it's not something that you go back to year after year. I don't know what your thoughts were on it. Yeah, I
0: saw it at the cinema and... It, even though it's very much my kind of film, it didn't hit a chord it with me. did strike it for you. No, yeah. Um. obviously it's a film about the love of film. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's indie, it's written uh, written and directed by Michel Gondry. It's my kind of thing and didn't do it for me. For me, if I was going to go and watch a Michel Gondry film again, I'm going back to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, personally. Fair, okay. yeah, that's fair.
2: Mm. I didn't like that at all i not mean, like that film won't be i don't know i don't know why because i really should have uh, it might have been one of them situations where it was right film wrong time kind of things yeah and i mean it be in the right frame, frame of mind but saying that i've tried that with lost in translation about four times and i just i just can't
0: See, no, um, i quite enjoyed that because again it's, it's that indie sensibility that generally works with me and Lost in translation tick my boxes have you seen that one matt
1: a long time ago i probably need to watch it again um another film that is like kind of sweet bittersweet as well have you seen 50 50. yes the, um, god if i don't cry my eyes out every time um he go he gets wheeled into the operating theater and his mum's mm. with him oh my god if my man, it's getting me now thinking about his proper <laughs> like takes a lot to get me going or not a lot in terms of being the ultimate disaster movie but <laughs> um, but yeah that's that's one of those things anyway
2: but we move yep. on you know there's what there's the one that's that always comes up with these things that's that's kind of revisionist history but Blade Runner was absolutely slammed when it came out yeah.
1: first yeah
2: it, it was a massive it was a massive failure it was on the um VOD on well videos and stuff like that later on yeah and it, it got popular but yeah I mean I don't know why because it's amazing and the sequel's yeah. very very good as well um
0: but yeah, I, I even don't hate the third one. If I'm honest, I think it's a, a half decent trilogy. Third one, Blade,
2: Blade Runner.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you said <laughs> Blade. So I don't remember. I don't remember Triple H being in Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, did you see the um, that Triple H tattoo today? I'll um, I'll, I'll retweet it. Like it was amazing. Um, if someone's got a, a proper proper like shoulder sleeve of Triple H. On his, you know, full color and everything. But um, although technically you are right, there is um there is a, a Blade One Point Five. It's a, it was a game. Oh, okay. You know, old old game that was remade last year, I think. But the, I, think the, I
0: had was, that on the PC.
2: Yeah, it's an old, very old PC mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of games there. There's one that me and Goldie both of It's a Bond game with Daniel Craig in. I think he got about, he got about five out of ten or something like that. And it was yeah, oh shit! That new fast, fast and Furious Crossroads game looks. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look bad. <laughs> it was a PS3 game that looks better than that. No.
3: God.
2: Um, I can't remember what it was called now. Um, but it, it was like a third person. It was like a a knockoff kind of Uncharted kind of thing. Oh, okay. Um One game PS3, so look. Um, but yeah, it was it was a, pro- a proper middle of the road kind of what was it called bloodstone that's the one. Oh
1: yeah i heard of that
2: james yeah, bond that. bloodstone
1: it was um yeah it was very very good surprisingly one fine in a bargain bucket near you
0: <laughs> yeah it's a 99p special that one <laughs> so on to the normal questions of the week first question as ever what have you been watching i'll kick it off i've actually had quite a busy week i've got a, what have you been watching listening to and reading the idw uh mini-series of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers crossover. Really good book. Phenomenal art in it. Check it out. Really good. Listening to, uh, over the last week or so, Mark Kermode's podcast, uh, which is Kermode on Film. It, they did a three-episode arc with him and Jack Howard discussing the... or ranking the ten Christopher Nolan films and discussing it. Really interesting stuff. Check that out. And uh, what have i been watching... Obviously, does it fry after uh, our last <laughs> chat? <laughs> uh, Umbrella Academy, too. I won't give any spoilers because obviously it's brand new. Really enjoyed it though. But there are two films I need to bring to your attention. Okay. Right. The first one is a documentary on Netflix called Miss Americana, and it is about Taylor Swift. Right. And I am not lying. <laughs> It is fantastic. It is such a well-made documentary. It's talking about her um, writing and producing her, not her last album, because obviously that was only released a couple of weeks ago, which is excellent as well, folklore, fully recommend it. But it's her album before, and it's interspliced with stories from her life over the last few years, like the trouble she had with Kanye West when he was a bit of a prick coming onto stage, when she was in court, when she was trying to sue that guy who... um, who groped her in public and it's just talking about her life how she deals with how she has some um, issues with surrounding depression and eating disorders when the the media pick on her for being too heavy too light too female too masculine and the way she struggles with, it, and it's such a well-made heartwarming documentary and you also see her working through how she writes a song and it's quite inspiring to see uh, an artist do their work brilliant and from the sublime, I'm now going to go to the ridiculous with a Sharknado-level film called Money Plane.
3: <laughs>
0: I don't know if you've heard of this one. It is fucking bananas. It's, uh, it stars Adam Copeland, who you may know as Edge from WWE.
1: I'm in. And,
0: yeah, and Kelsey Grammer and the Joey Lawrence and the Lawrence brothers, who I think were famous when they were kids. And it's basically... Edge plays a con who is trying to create a heist. He gets roped in by Kelsey Grammer, who is the big bad of the film, and he makes him go onto the money plane to try and steal this cryptocurrency. And it's shot on a plane, but it's clearly not a plane. Like you can (laughs) see, there are fucking windows in the wall and stuff like it's a normal room, and they've just put curtains up to try and hide the fact that it's not a plane. It's awful, but really, really fun. It's working
1: about ninety up, minutes long.
0: This. It's, I think, it's on vi- uh, video on demand, so you can probably find it on your uh, Amazon Primes and the oh, like. Nice, Love
1: it.
0: So it's, uh, it's only been out a couple of three weeks, and um, yeah, it, I was recommended it, and then the first scene, Edge turns up, but I'm like, okay, I'm in. Let's just go, and yeah, it's uh, wonderfully batshit. <laughs> Stu, what have you been watching, mate?
2: And it's not a bit wonderfully batch it. Um I watched a very a, no- a film from 1986 called Back to School, which is a, a, a Rodney Dangerfield, um in the IMDB breakdown, to help his discouraged son get through college, a fun-loving and obnoxious rich businessman decides to enter the school as a student himself. So it's it's very much in the kind of uh, Caddyshack, Revenge of the Nerds, um, Porky's—that kind of not weird science, that kind of comedy, um, things that have never ever get made now. Um, Fletch as well, if you've seen that. Um, that if you like them kind of films, and that's exactly what it is. Turn you turn your brain off for hour and a half, and just enjoy the. Sometimes sexist, sometimes uh, other isms as well, but obviously of its time. But yeah, it's just. It's just absolute madness and nonsense. And he's—he's he's an old. He was a swimming um, a swimming professional. That was his aim as a kid, and obviously things can spoil it when he's older. And his kids on not on the swim team. He's just a tail assistant and all this stuff. And you can't really—it's one of these. It's like an airplane where you can't really say anything without spoiling it. So it's just you want you want something even more ridiculous than that. What you just said, <laughs> <laughs> then you um. Give that a try, or the others in the series. Um, the other one that I watched uh, the other night is a documentary on Netflix called "Let's Find It Now." It's, it was that important. <laughs> um, it's the guy's been on um, the guy's been on Rogan as well. He was on Rogan last year. Um, it's called Bob Lazar. If you've heard of him, um, Bob Lazar, Area Fifty-One, and Flying Saucers. It's it's a, a, a documentary yeah, exactly. It's a document. <laughs> it's a documentary about a guy who worked on alien technology, and the gov- What the government did to shut him up, and it's all been like it's all been like accounted for and backed up with different sources and everything. And I watched him on Rogan. I watched the Rogan episode this this afternoon, and you think <laughs> you get a load of wackos and these kind of things on on the History Channel and, and ancient aliens and stuff like that. But this mm. one's. It makes you want to believe. Mm. It's actually, it's, <laughs> it, it is. It's 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 actually really well made, and it's narrated by Mickey Rourke as well. So why wouldn't you? Okay. And nice. the uh, the third thing was um, I played a game last night called. Um, it came out on PlayStation Plus on Tuesday called Four Guys, and it, it it's free on Plus if you've got that. And it, it's basically like a kind of cartoon version of. Takeshi's castle and all them kind of mad Japanese game shows and you go through rounds and rounds and it's it's a battle royale it's a last man standing okay. And it's six, 60 player online so the servers are actually fixed now that there was problems at the start but It's ridiculous and it's one of them games that's really fun and You get really engaged with it, but you want to smash your controller in half as well when you make the slightest <laughs> mistake mm. and I to play, as of yeah. as of recording i haven't won one i haven't got a crown yet i haven't come first not once i've got to the third round of maybe six or seven but yeah four guys on playstation plus it's great
1: i'm wondering right. if my rickety lap- laptop might play it because it's on windows um on windows you can play it through steam uh, no 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 it's i think it must be a playstation exclusive but googling now microsoft windows you can play it so presumably you can play it on pc uh, I have to get, well, I'll give that a go that sounds proper mm. that does that yeah that looks okay.
0: dumb fun yeah Matt what about yourself
1: um, a couple of things um, first of all been watching um, Gamora the uh, Italian drama crime drama series um, based on the book um, by Saviano um, basically set in Naples Italian crime drama I think I might have mentioned it before to be fair really really enjoying that though it's it, it get, it's it's get getting to the point where it's it's creeping up into the godlike tier of tv category alongside mm-hmm. kind of breaking bad and um a program called utopia which i don't think too many people have watched but it really is worth a watch um on the back of that though watching gamora i do have a bit of a love affair of italy and i've only been to rome and i really do want to explore um but uh, asif kapadia's maradona documentary that was released a few years oh, ago oh yes it's just amazing it really is just an excellent excellent documentary about the trials and tribulations of in my opinion probably the greatest footballer of all time diego maradona um and one thing that i I want to give one insight to anybody that is kind of thinking about watching it they talk about how naples is considered the toilet of italy or especially at the time when it when when maradona was so prevalent at napoli um italians don't like neapolitans and vice versa um, to, and Maradona was such a hero in Naples that when Italy played um, Argentina in the World Cup, um, Naples as a city decided, fuck this, we're not supporting Italy, we're going to support Argentina. Their country supported their rivals in, I think, the semi-final of the World Cup because of Diego Maradona. Such was the influence of the man and his success. I just, it's a really excellent documentary, and anybody that is into football you're doing yourself a disjustice by not um, by not watching it. Um the other thing um that I've been watching um as an well I only watched it last night actually, more of a throwaway, trying to find something to switch my mind off to. I watched um Jumanji the next level.
3: <laughs> um
1: and you know what? Just right. like the fir- just like the first one, thoroughly enjoyable, really enjoyable, a little bit of a twist in um the casting. I can't say too much. I mean it's not a major spoiler, but they it's not quite what you expect from the casting and the characters um that that are played but it's a good romp really really fun um as usual jack black is excellent in it um and i think it was just one of those films that yes you can switch off and not enjoy but there's nothing to be guilty about about this film it's just something to enjoy and they've set it up for a third and i hope there is one um and i'd be really looking forward to watching it if there was
0: yeah i they got away with it twice because the first (laughs) time they did it, it had no right to be as good as it was. So the second time was bound to be shit and it wasn't. It was really good again. Yeah, I I kind of... I hope they don't spoil it, but I do hope they do a third one too. I'm very much on the same boat as you there, mate. (laughs) So question two this week, that's yourself, Stu.
2: Mine, this strange question this week was if you could take a, f- a film that's set in a particular place and set it in England, yet still make it worthwhile. So, my example of this was what did I even say? Was it was something about Eight Miles Set in Brighton.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, for that kind of thing. So, uh, we'll go back to Matt first for this one.
1: Easy peasy, this one. Uh, like I knew straight away when I heard this. So I want to take, and it's, all, it's it's been done sort of, it wasn't, a, it wasn't the same film, like rebooted or anything, but I want to take Battle Royale and I want to set that in the UK. <laughs> so I want to take the Japanese Battle Royale um, for those who haven't watched it. Uh, unruly school children across Japan, they come up with a new measure, Battle Royale. I, I don't want to do the film a disservice by saying this and it's not, it's so much better than but it's The Hunger Games, for the, <laughs> without me having to explain it to anybody. It's The Hunger Games, but with school kids. Um, but it's very gory. Horror. It's not quite a horror, but it's it's very gory, very, very violent and brutal. And I think if you did it in the UK or in England, you'd be able to do all the cliche kind of school things. You know, you, you got your bullies, your nerds, your gribos, everything. And you can <laughs> put that into a film and it'd be really entertaining. You can put it in, um, I don't know, put it wherever you want. But it's Sherwood Forest, if you like. I don't care, really. But I just think it would be it would be a really good way of getting some of these kind of stereotypical school children um, archetypes that we have. And it'd still be really entertaining. But they would have to make it as brutal and gory and, and as, you know, blood violence as it is.
0: Yeah, it proper ratchets up that um, <clears throat> the stereotypical 90s japanese ultra violence doesn't it yeah yeah, yeah. it's not just uh you know a trickle of blood it is a squirt of blood oh yeah great film though i've still not seen the sequel yet though uh it's meant
1: meant to be absolute dog shit so i haven't for that reason i don't want to ruin it for myself
0: i have got it i just haven't got into it because the first one's so good i just can't be asked to watch anything but that one
1: exactly
0: (laughs) yeah uh my answer i've got two answers of course first one is actually a twist on it it's a book that was set in the uk that they then transported to the states and it worked perfectly well and that is high fidelity the nick hornby book reading the book it's very very uk set it probably shouldn't work as a film set in the states but when it does and i think especially going to chicago so it's got that sort of post-grunge sort of feel to it the music and everything and it just fits perfectly I think Jack Black is perfectly cast in that film as is John Cusack who obviously is one of our friends from previous <laughs> films so just a nod towards High Fidelity as a film that did the opposite I had to rack my brains to think of a film that could, could work and you could actually build on it and the film I'm going for is Bridesmaids Ooh. I think you could do it, set it in maybe the 90s when we had that more of a, the, the loaded ladette culture. So you had like your Kathy Burks and that type of, of actor for it. I think you could really make something of it. Yeah.
3: Because
0: we always see in American films that um, women in American comedies, especially, they're all very, I don't say straight-laced, but they're, all, they're never really allowed to just be gross-out comedians like they were here. But that gross-out comedy, coming from the UK, we sort of saw these kind... We grew up with these kind of women, really, didn't mm, we? You know, these yeah. ones who would just piss around and have a laugh. They they were never really represented in film. So I think you could take Bridesmaids and set it anywhere in the UK you wanted. You could set it right here in Wolverhampton in the 1990s, <laughs> and it would be perfect. would, it would
1: um, work to a T. Would should be... She, I don't know. Would Victoria Wood make that if it's set? If it's from the '90s, if it was made in the '90s, her blue yeah. stuff would, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. thinking, trying to think figure that like Ladette kind of. Um, who else you was talk- cast in that?
2: You're talking Zoe Ball kind of, Sir kind of level, but actresses. Yeah, yeah. and mm. the, are you trying to think? There isn't many actresses. Well, have they met? They've never acted, have they? But first time for everything, so why not?
1: Yeah, check them in get, there. Get uh, Bend It Like Beckham, Keira Knightley, innit? Yeah, I mean, you'd have someone like maybe Samantha Morton, who's got
0: decent comedic chops, but you never really get to see them when she's in films like Minority Report, or obviously she's doing, or was doing, um, spoiler alert, no. Walking Dead. <laughs> so, you know, I think there there were some actors around who never really got the opportunity, and I think Bridesmaids could have been a great vehicle for some of them.
2: You know what we're missing one eighty. It's Sam Janice.
0: Sam Janice, like Mrs. 1990s, yeah. Yeah. Perfect for it.
2: But mine was, it's a bit of a cheat, really, but Ex Machina and set it in Cambridge.
0: Good film, that is. And you think,
2: you think of all, every time you have English, clever English people in films, they're always, they're always the bad guy, and that's even Sean Bean normally. Um, (laughs) So. Why not just flip it on its head and have the tech genius in England? It worked perfectly. I mean, you ain't going to get Miami Vice in South End. That wouldn't yeah. work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ex Machina, English version, superb. And twisting the formula a bit, a bit like um, when we talked about District Nine being set in South Africa rather than the usual invasion places.
0: Mm. How how
2: good that that was and how well that worked. It's just the same kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And as well, if you did that, I would keep Donald Gleason in the the outsider um, viewer ro- role. He was perfect for that role, and obviously, setting it in the UK, he could still be his generally, you know, happy-go-lucky Irish self. I think he'd be a perfect casting. But who would you go with for the Oscar Isaac role? He would need to be someone, like, devastatingly handsome, but very British and intelligent. Um, Stephen well,
2: Price. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that, that kind of comes on your question, Debbie. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> um, you put me on the spot there, I was trying to think. The guy who played, who's in Poldark, I suppose, him?
0: Oh, yes, the one from um, Being Human. The uh, the vampire and Being Human. Um, yeah, when I was down in that region, like a, a year or so ago, th- there was everywhere. Just like it's a bit like how when you walk around Birmingham now, everything is peaky blinders.
3: Oh, Being down
0: in that, that neck of the woods, everything was pole dark. Yeah, it was quite uh, quite interesting. So moving on to the next question then, which is gonna be my question this week, which Stu has set me up nicely for. Uh <laughs> me and Stu had a conversation not too long ago about um Hamilton, as we all wanted to do several times a day. <laughs> And I I said to Stu that there are a few roles, if I ever got the chance to do musical theatre, I would love to play. So my question to you two is, if you were given the chance to replace anybody in a film, who would it be? The only proviso is it's you as you are now. So if you wanted to be replaced Stallone in Rocky, you would have to be Rocky as you are now. So, Stu... Let's see what you've got to say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's always like so. I, I just. The easy answer is replace myself with Mark Addy in the full Monty. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um
2: But with, um, with a bit of Tony, um, replace Liam Neeson in Taken. So,
0: that would be a fun role to play, I think. A
2: yeah, bit of jumping around, a bit of shouting, a bit, sh- bit of bang bang. That's all you need. And. If you had that, you had that kind of impetus. Oh, you're going to have a few million dollars if you get in a bit of shape and don't eat kebab every week. Then I'm pretty sure I could do that. I don't, I don't know about the accent bit, but the rest would work.
1: That's a good answer. I like that, Matt. Who are you going to be? Easy peasy Japanese. This is. Um, It's no, it's no secret that I'm a massive um, professional wrestling fan, and in the right light. I've been known to resemble Jack Black, so in that case, I um, want to be uh, Nacho Libre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really love the film. I think it's hilarious. I don't think it gets anywhere near the credit it deserves, um, and it has some really, really funny lines in it. And I just think it's one of those, um, one of those silly wrestling films that I almost like that non-wrestling fans don't appreciate it because it's my film and you, and you can't have it kind of thing um yeah so and i think i've got the body for it so there we go <laughs> uh, so i'd want to be uh, a nacho libre
0: i used to get a lot of comparisons to jack black when i was uh, younger when i used to have my long hair and obviously the beard as well and obviously being a, a bigger dude yeah i think it's just what we are uh, we're there for oh you look like jack black i really fucking don't i've just got <laughs> a beard <laughs> exactly you've
2: yeah, how many other Sorry. people, are, in that time, how many other people had a beard, though? Because there weren't that many.
0: True. I mean, I've had a beard since I was about 18, 19, so, yeah. There, there, like you said, there weren't many. It was mostly just clean-shaven or cat and that was about it. <laughs>
2: mm. and this is this is the most I can grow at 36, so
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> which, for everyone listening, is nothing.
0: You should You just leave it go. Give it, it six months, and it there's
2: nothing, then... The, what was it the, when I did it the, the last time, and it went... Was it about two months, and nothing happened? It was... It was like when you... It, it was like the equivalent to when you put your hand... When you sit in the bath for too long,
3: <laughs> and
2: you go wrinkly, but then as soon as you get out, it, it's, it's fine again. It was like that. I'd leave it for ages, thinking, oh, I'm going to wake up, and it's better, and it just goes back to normal. You know, the, the hair just grow back into myself.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. right okay uh, my answer <clears throat> i've just basically stuck with the musical one i would love a go at being javert in les miserables i mean if russell crowe can do it i mean he can't sing for shit either so i think i'd be fine at that role i'd call it to do that or um the dentist from little shop of horrors because <laughs> steve martin just chews the scenery like nobody's business and you can tell he had a riot on set doing that one so those two, for me, would be uh, they'd be my dream roles, given the chance.
1: So, Matt, it's on to yourself. Quite a simple one for me this week. I want to know, what well, I want you to tell me, I should say, um, which reboot is better than the original. Or maybe not better, at least as good as, if not better than the original. Uh, Stu.
2: Was it... There's one that came that stuck in my mind straight away, and obviously because I've mentioned it maybe four times since we've been doing this, The Fly, which is a, a remake of a 50s film, which is a remake of a 30s or 20s 30s film. Um, the other one was The Thing, which again, that's a bit subjective because the 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 original, well, the older version is kind of schlocky horror, um, but no, I think for me, Ocean's Eleven, mm. all day long. Yeah. I'll put, I'll, I much prefer the uh, the Clooney the Clooney wrap back to the originals. Um, I think that they, they cast it perfectly. The vibes the same, and it just it just works better for me.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Very the fair. the original film is not a good movie. It just seemed like it was a bunch of mates who were getting pissed and then would go on camera. Like it it didn't really work for me. I think they probably had more fun off camera than they did on camera. Mm. So no, that's a good shape, that is. Um, for me, I was going to say the Wicker Man because I am so looking forward to when we get ready to do that film. Um, so, I mean, reboot, remake, reimagining. Um, I'll, I'll go back and I'll mention Little Shop of Horrors again. I don't know if either of you've ever seen the original, which I think no. is a forties film, Vincent Price. It's not a particularly interesting, Phil. It's black and white, very low budget. It's a bit, bit of a drag, really. Not very interesting. And then it was remade in the eighties with Rick Moranis by Frank Oz, and it's just a rip roaring fun musical, grace. So that that's a good shout, I think. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. The other one I really enjoyed that the original didn't do anything was the Saint Trinian's film. I don't know if you ever watched, watched that. Brand. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yes. i really really enjoyed it. The sequel didn't quite catch on, cuz I think they could have made a whole series of movies out of it in the end, but they didn't. Uh, but yeah, the Saint Trinian's remake, the first one, really good, really fun movie. I think that's worth anyone's time. Um and also for it's not a remake. I, I suppose you'd call this a reboot, would be the Child's Play film that was released last year. Yeah. With Mark Hamill voice in uh, Chucky. Uh, obviously it was more of a it was a film about technophobia rather than voodoo magic um really good film proper b movie level horror great fun i'm a big fan of the original film uh, the original three i think once it became a knowing in joke it it stopped being funny Mm-hmm. which is often the way, once you're in on the joke, you sort of lose a little bit of its, uh, yeah. its luster. But the, the first three Charles Play films, wonderful. And then the reboot that was released, I'm sure it was last, only last year. Great movie, well worth your time.
1: How about yourself, Matt? Well, I don't know this for a fact, but I reckon if I was in the room with Stu now, he'd hurt me physically. If, <laughs> um, I can't guarantee this, but I'm going to say it's... Mm, Definitely better than the um, than the original would be uh, Dread, the the Judge Dread Ooh. remake or reboot,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, which was uh, two thousand and twelve um, with Carl Urban as Judge. Oh, Dread. oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Oh, thank God. Because, <laughs> like, I just assumed because of the kind of the era that it was in, and um, that you might be much more Stallone than. than I Doss. think that.
2: This is going back to Goldie's question. This is why Stallone gets bad points because that's a, a diabolical film.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was so like so bad it's good or one of those things that you grew up with. I just think that the dread was just really excellently done. It, um, it was, you know what, you know what made it for me. And I say that sounds so silly. And, I'll, and when, during the edit, I'll splice the audio in instead of having to shout, "Shout, I am the law." He whispers it because he's that much of a fucking badass
3: mm-hmm. that
1: like he doesn't need to shout, um, and he. He, what's the name? What's the, um, it, it might be, I don't think it's Taiwanese, uh, The Raid. You ever seen The Raid? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. Got it's got those it's vibes. Um, it's just, it's really excellent, like over the top violent. You know, there's a running theme with films that I enjoy. It's over the top, <laughs> gratuitously violent, um, and it's just really well put together. Great plot. Um, Lena he- Lena Headey, Heidi um, is in it as well. Don't watch the trailer though, if you haven't seen it, because. It pretty much gives away the ending of the film in the trailer. So if you're going to watch it on the basis of anything, just watch it flat out. Um, but I think it's I think it's much better than the hokey um, sliced alone um, Judge Dredd. So mm. I mean, is does that fall into your wheelhouse from a comic book point of view, Andy?
0: Yeah, massively. Um, I haven't read a, a huge amount of 2000 AD, but what I have read is ultra violent, and I think this is a much much closer to that than the original Drudge Dredd film, which just seemed to be a vehicle for Sylvester Stallone to dress up, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest. He didn't really offer anything. But uh, Lena Headey is fantastic in that film. Yeah, I mean, Carl Urban's good, but he's a very understated performance, whereas Lena Headey gets to just just let herself go and be completely over the top, and she yeah. really steals every scene she's in. I'm a big fan of Cersei Lannister. She's just incredible. She's One they... of those
1: actors. And I think because, because for that exact reason, she's always going to be known as Cersei Lannister now for, for all time. Yeah. Um, but this is such a departure from that. Her role in this is such a departure from that. It's really good to see that. Mm, massively.
2: It's just reminding me now, I can't believe we, we've done, what, 15 weeks of this now? Something like that. And this film has never been mentioned yet by me. And um, Coming to the Todd's question earlier on about guilty pleasures and films at one rated that are excellent, I have to just double check, but in Judge Dredd from the nineties stars a certain Rob Schneider, who, from, yes, you know exactly what I'm going to say. God, yeah, Juice Bigelow, American Gigolo, is one of the <laughs> <laughs>
3: that
2: and, that that and Freddie got fingered in that some that that kind of set of years. Then two films are incredible. That's <laughs> <Christ.
0: laughs> I don't think I've seen the sequel. Uh, European Gigolo, is it?
2: Yeah, it's it's not as good. You have of the fish tank situation and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's, again, a product of its time. <laughs> mm.
0: Where do you gentlemen stand on the Planet of the Apes uh, new trilogy compared to the original Look, five or six?
1: Apps, I think they're sensational. I really, really do. Um, I can't... Like, the, orig- the original ones as we know it they're a victim of the technology of the time and special effects and everything they just seem so hokey um like it just reminds me of like sunday afternoon films mm. that it just doesn't have, but the, the the um the newest ones there's not that many films that i will go out out of my way to see on the day they release but i did with these films okay. um Oddly, the newest Predator film was one of those that I, though I did regret it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think uh, I think they're excellent, really, really well done.
2: Yeah, they've, the originals were ones which I'd watch. I'd watch them with my granddad like, on a, again when I was there. Mm. Like you saying like, middle of the day kind of things? And weirdly, when I, I mean, it's about quadrilogies last week about Alien quadrilogy. Apart from that, the other box that I bought with my uh, first student loan was the complete. Uh, Planet to the Xbox set of the, of the original films, yeah, and they're all on there. They're all they do not stand up at all, but you have got to think that it, it could have been completely ruined forever with the nonsense version that we have mentioned before already. Um, that Tim Burton tried to ruin with um Hannah Bottom character again, and oh, um, it's just I think, yeah, that the new ones. That could be a perfect trilogy in itself, actually. Then we're going back a couple of weeks, but yeah, they're, I love them. They're really, really good.
0: Yeah, they're they're so excellently well made, and Andy Serkis. I, I do think there needs to be a category in the Oscars for that type of performance because it just gets yeah. completely overlooked every time.
1: I want to throw a a bonus um, question, and if that's okay with you guys, mm-hmm. um, this is fresh off the press. This is so new, no one's going to have heard this no it's not <laughs> um seth rogan today ru- uh, ruled out a super bad sequel saying that he's never going to beat the uh, beat the original he's never going to get it any better than he had it so he doesn't want to do another one where do you guys think super bad stands up in terms of films to define a generation and films like american pie and, and those kind of films in terms of the greatest because for me i, I I can't watch it enough, Superbad. I think, just think it's amazing. In the same way that I said that um The In defines a British generation, Super does it for me in terms of Americans. So where does it stand for you too in terms of um in terms of a film?
0: For me, um I it's a very good film, and I'm a big fan of Seth Rogan's work. I think I might be just a little bit too old, so my generation would be defined by your american pies that was our version of the you know the revenge of the nerds that sort of thing yeah super bad is an excellent film it's very well made it doesn't quite have the same resonance for me as your american pie personally
1: absolutely fair yeah
2: i I love it and it's made the right decision it's a it wouldn't work you wouldn't get the cop situation again
1: no 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 no
2: you can't you just kind of you'd just be clowning it with what you're going to do with the, with the military this time it just wouldn't work so just leave, leave it on its own I mean with the, the American part, they did was a reunion with the last one yeah was, yeah, that I thought cool.
1: that, yeah that's that was yeah that's what I
2: mean that came full circle where that seemed like it was getting out of control with too many and then the um the, the spin-off video ones which weren't bad but that brought it back full circle and that was excellent mm-hmm. but you don't want to be going all around the reeking to get a Decent film again years down the line, so yeah, just leave it as it is as a touchstone from that kind of you know, say that generation because it's probably what four, I wouldn't even say I know what you're saying, Andy. Because we, we grew up with American Pie when we were what, like fifth 10, 11, something like that. I can't remember. Well, I,
0: I think I was 17 maybe when the sequel was out, so probably about 15 when the first time was out. I think it was 99, 98, maybe something like that.
2: Ninety nine. Yeah. So yeah, I was fifty fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. When I saw that. So yeah, it's probably it's probably as teen my saying Superbad's not a teen movie at all, is it? <laughs> no.
3: Um
2: so I think it came at, around at the right kind of time for me at the time. So mm-hmm. the same way that American Pie did the same way that Freddie got fingered and all the other nonsense did and Road Trip as well. Um yeah. all them kind of films that would never get made today. Um yeah.
0: I loved Road Trip. I'm a big fan of Amy Smart. I'm so glad to see her back on um, Stargirl at the minute. I had the the biggest crush on Amy Smart when I was a kid. So, yeah, I'm quite pleased to see her back. She looks incredible, still looks like almost the same, to say it's been 20 years almost since Road Trip. Yeah. Uh, But for me, a film of, of that ilk, and this actually ties in a little bit with Ash Dolan's question, so a film that was absolutely slaughtered, but I enjoyed was Van Wilder.
2: Part of the Yeah.
0: I love that film. Yeah. And again, that's very much of the you know, the university age guy, which I think I probably was when I saw it. Maybe just college coming towards uni. And I I really enjoyed that film. That's um, that's a guilty pleasure, definitely for me. Right, so next week. We're going to be diving into the world of the superheroes for the first time. We're going to be looking at Cage's work in Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. If you thought that next was the drizzling (laughs) shits, put your seatbelt on with these shit shows. Again, thank you for joining us this week. Please remember to subscribe. uh, That way we'll show up every week in your feed. If you can leave us a five star review, that would really help us grow as well. Because it just gets more eyes and apparently it helps with the analytics. I don't know how it works, but that's what I'm told. Remember to give us a follow on the Twitters at CageFightingPod. And if you've got any cinema stories or you want to tell us any of our answers are wrong, drop us an email, cagefightingpod at gmail.com. And for this week, Stu, would you like to say goodbye?
2: Goodbye. See you on the next one.
0: Matt, would you like to say goodbye?
1: Take it easy, guys. Stay safe.
0: And from me, I'll say, see you next time. And remember, be excellent to each other. Mama is not the law. I am the law.